Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right, catch you later. At 19, I moved out for the first time with an old friend, Nathan. We rented a two-bedroom basement-level apartment for a year together, and at first, things were great. It was like having a long-term sleepover with your best friend, and we were able to have our own alone time in the apartment because we worked opposite schedules. I worked a retail job during the day, and Nathan worked overnights. For a month or two, we had a good thing going. He would work, and I would be home, and vice versa. We would stay up late playing video games when our schedules aligned. The first thing that I noticed that was odd was the closet in my bedroom. In the master bedroom, there was a small walk-in closet, and I noticed the carpet in the corners looked as if it had been dug out by an animal. There were also several gaps in the walls along the edges of the carpet. At first, this seemed no different, really, from the general cheap apartment disarray and maintenance issues. This didn't scare me at first. I figured someone had an overexcited pup, and I left it alone. It started off with little things at first. I would think that I would hear Nathan calling my name, and I would respond only to realize that he had been at work for hours. Leading to our bedrooms was a long hallway that seemed to make us both uncomfortable. The hallway light would be left on as often as possible, and we would laugh it off as a childhood fear of the dark. I think we were both too skeptical to talk about how we would occasionally think that we had seen the other walk out of the hallway, only to realize we were alone. On more than one occasion, I would have a friend sleep over who would complain they were kept awake at night by the constant flickering of the hallway light. My roommates and I tried our best to be respectful of each other's schedules. If I knew he had just come home in the morning and was sleeping, I would try my best to stay quiet when heading to work. One morning, Nathan told me that while he'd been relaxing in his room after work, getting ready to sleep, he had heard footsteps in the hallway and the door to my room being shaken. At first, he thought it was just me rushing around getting ready for work, but he was concerned because I was being much louder than normal. He looked over at his alarm clock and realized that I should have been at work by this time and says he decided to check on me. He opened his door and looked down the hall towards my room. He says that he froze when he saw a dark figure standing outside my door. In that moment, he said that he rationalized it by saying he thought I was just running late for work and had gotten embarrassed at being caught and ducked into my room. He retreated back to his room and said that he hadn't heard anything else for the rest of the day. He had never heard me say anything or leave and opted to forget about it, even when I came home later and confirmed that I had not been late that morning. As time progressed in that apartment, we were both constantly irritable and tired. It felt impossible to rest in that apartment, especially when I was alone. Nathan would sometimes chalk this up to me being nervous as a woman alone in an apartment at night. I would spend my nights huddled on the end of the couch furthest from the hallway, tucked in a blanket under the lamp. On more than one occasion, 
This is where I slept, as it felt more secure than walking down that hallway to my room. I am awoken one morning in my bed by the sound of someone trying to beat down my bedroom door, and ice settles in my veins. The banging on the door sounds desperate, and I can see the door shaking under the weight of the hit. Immediately I'm concerned that our apartment flooded, we have been robbed, or something has happened to Nathan. I bolt out of bed and rip open my door, and once again, I am met with sudden silence in an empty hallway. Fearful that I have misheard where the knocks were, I go down the hall to the main door and check outside, and there's no one, yet again. I sit down on the couch in the living room, unable to go back to sleep even if I wanted to. When I realized Nathan had been home, I chalked it up as him sleepwalking, and he confesses later that he had had repetitive nightmares that morning, but doesn't believe that he was walking in his sleep. His room was small, and he had taken up most of the main space with a weight set that he would have to crawl over to enter and leave. I later had to reason as well that in the time it had taken me to open the door, he would have had to sprint back to his room and slam the door shut to avoid me seeing or hearing it. As weird as this was, the worst was yet to come. We had had a disagreement before Nathan went to work, and I had been laying in my bed, still a little angry, and watching videos on my phone until I could doze off. When he worked overnights, his job was close enough to our apartment that he would come home for lunch, or what they called lunch, almost every night. So when I heard the door creak open at 3am, I wasn't uneasy at first. I hear the various sounds of him in the apartment, opening cabinets, and walking around. I roll over, upset because he's being much louder than normal, and immediately I feel my heart drop into my stomach. Nathan would always turn the lights on when he came home. It was reassuring on the nights I was in my room to see the hallway lights seep through the doorframe to let me know I wasn't alone in the apartment anymore. But this night, when I rolled over, there was no reassuring light coming from underneath the closed door. It was pitch black. My heartbeat quickened immediately, and I messaged Nathan to ask if he had come home, but I got no response. I strained my ears to listen, and what I hear sounds nothing like normal. There's footsteps running around the apartment and coming down the hall to my door, then running away. Doors opening and closing, and cabinets creaking. In that moment, I was so absolutely sure that we were being robbed, I began to shake. I didn't know how to deal with this, and what I had heard sounded so angry and chaotic outside my door. Tearfully, I grabbed a knife that I kept under my pillow. Because the apartment walls and door were so thin, I couldn't have called 911 quietly enough to save myself. My instinct in that moment was to fight and deal with the consequences later. I stood just behind the door listened to the footsteps run towards me, braced myself, and when I heard them start to fade down the hall, I ripped open the door to surprise my attacker. I am met with absolutely nothing but silence and darkness. I stared on the black empty hallway, adamant that they're hiding from me. I am frozen in place, staring down the hall, waiting to hear anything. The front door is in clear view from my position, and it's still closed. Whoever it was has to still be here. 
I scan the room at the end of the hall. I feel a lump in my throat as I lock my eyes on a large, dark figure peering around the corner at the end of the hall. I take off down the hall and whip around the corner, ready again to fight. But there's no one in my apartment. When I turned on all the lights, I checked. The door was shut and locked. All the windows are locked. Nathan's room is empty and there's nothing out of place. All the cabinets and drawers I had heard being ripped open are closed. All the tables still upright. My body in this moment reacts in a way I wouldn't expect. I go from overwhelming fear to complete calm. I shove what has happened to the back of my mind, walk in my room, lock the door and go to bed, dead asleep within seconds. To cope, my brain shoved this memory to the depths and it only resurfaced months later after I had moved out when Nathan and I finally divulged all our experiences together. For the remainder of my time in the apartment, the tiredness and irritability continues. Even my sanctuary of the living room is compromised, as I would awake many times in the middle of the night to see a dark figure walking out of the hallway towards the couch, disappearing when I would turn my head to look. Things would fall over. I would hear knocks on my bedroom door, and more and more, I was questioning my own sanity. Eventually, when I couldn't take it anymore, and things financially weren't well with the apartment, I decided to move back home. Within a month, I was back to feeling like myself again. We are still not entirely sure what was in that apartment, but we have some theories. I feel it important to preface our theory with this. Not too long after moving into this apartment, I had taken to practicing Wicca. I don't say this to add horror, but rather to explain what we believe happened. In my early practicing, I would fill my room with cleansing materials like quartz stones and sage to cleanse before spells and maintain an energy in my room. We suspected whatever was in our apartment had originated in my closet, and that whoever was in my room before had done something sinister in there. The rips in the carpet and the gaps in the wall with small objects just out of view. We were too scared of fines we could get for destroying the closet to lift up the carpet and check what may have been underneath. It's been theorized that I had unknowingly driven whatever darkness lived in that closet out and it spent the rest of the time I lived there desperate to come back in. The longer it was kept out, the angrier it got and the more that we took it out on each other. Later when I moved out, things continued to worsen for my roommate, who remained. He was constantly tired and angry, and fell into a dark headspace. The spirit we think was in there was able to go back into my room when I left, and the girl who lived in my room after me said she was plagued with nightmares and had been locked out of the room on many occasions, even though the door locked from inside. She would try it, and the door would be locked. Then later she would try it again, and the door would somehow open. Nathan would send me videos of doors opening in the apartment on their own, and the TV suddenly showing black and white cable static in the middle of DVDs and YouTube videos. My roommate was able to move out of the apartment a while ago, and we have both been doing better. Slowly as time went on, we have shared a lot of our experiences that we had in that apartment with each other, 
and we are both glad that we came out of it okay. It made quite the believer out of my roommate as well, who remained reluctant to acknowledge it until his final few months there. Apartments are funny places. You never really know how many people have lived their lives in that exact same space. What they may have left behind or done in the room where you lay your head at night. Maybe there was something in that apartment. Something left over from whoever came before. Or maybe it can all be chalked up to late nights, bad dreams, and miscommunication. In the end, what you choose to believe is up to you. In October of 2019, I went to a Halloween costume ball hosted at our local art gallery, which was organized by a Unitarian Universalist spiritual center. It was a typical party, but had a few ceremonial attributes to celebrate Samhain. I dressed up as the Red Death from the Phantom of the Opera and basically went alone, thus waiting for a friend who did eventually come to meet up with me later in the night. Before that, I have had the most bizarre experience. Bizarre, as in I was unable to imagine a clear explanation behind this certain circumstance. I still can't think of one to this day. So, after dancing to the music and sipping a couple of drinks, I was interested enough to purchase a photographic aura reading from this lady at a little booth. I sat down and she instructed me to take off my skull mask and firmly lie my palms on a flat silver machine linked to her laptop. I was then instructed to look into the camera, and after a few minutes, my image appeared on the screen with a mix of transparent colors along with various measuring charts. I was further intrigued and listened to the lady's explanations concerning chakras and the like. As I was trying to pay attention to her, something in my peripheral vision distracted me a bit, I decided to look directly ahead, and to my surprise, a group of four sitting at a table were staring and smiling at me. Three men and a woman. If their expressions weren't friendly, they were incredibly creepy. They never even blinked. I was a bit weirded out, especially since I was wearing my skull mask. I didn't even think to wave back a hello, so I just ignored them and listened further to the lady's interesting lecture, helping me examine my aura. At the same time, I couldn't help but feel being stared down from the distance. I looked ahead again, and it was the same group, staring at me, smiling. They kept their gaze without signaling me to walk over, or anything. I knew I wasn't hallucinating, because I blinked, and the group was still there, not making a single move. To be honest, I swear, I have never met this group before. I had no idea who any of them were, so I really have no idea why they would be staring at me like they were. While not making a big deal, the lady finished up what she wanted to teach me. I paid her and just got up to go to the restroom. I did my best to brush off that strange experience as nothing. Afterward, my friend found me and we just chatted until he had to leave for his mother's birthday outing. Interestingly enough, I then realized that the group never approached me after my aura session. I will always wonder what that was all about. Out of stubborn curiosity, 
I searched through the entire venue and did not find any of them. So this happened to me on Thursday, April 25th, and I still can't shake off how terrifying and strange it was. So I was home alone, getting ready for my 12 o'clock college class that morning, and I opened my blinds to let some natural light in. I glanced out my window to see a man in his mid-thirties wearing a baseball cap, roaming around my property with his hands on his hips, walking with a lot of weird confidence. Our yard is kind of like a cliff and it looks over onto our five acres of property down below. I live in the PNW, so it's a pretty scenic view. I was really confused and thought maybe it was a worker that my mom had hired for our renovations on the house, admiring the view. I'm a little bit uncomfortable at this point, cause the dude walks to the side of my house, out of sight. I head upstairs to see him now roaming around my front yard and my driveway, looking at things checking out my house, etc. He still hasn't seen me at this point. I call my dad and ask him if we had hired anyone to come by the house, and he says not that he knows of, and tells me that he's going to call my mom and ask her, and then call me back. I'm waiting for the cop when I notice this strange dude's car. It's a white Honda with no license plates, just parked parallel to my front door. The dude still hasn't seen me, and he's still wandering around, so I take this as an opportunity to remember that we have a security system, and I armed it so that if he did try to break in, it would immediately alert the police. If this was some sort of professional or worker, he would have rang my doorbell or knocked at least once. He did neither. Just then, I get a call back from my dad saying neither him or my mom hired anyone to come by today and that I need to call our local police station immediately. I went back downstairs after making sure to lock every door and window upstairs and called my city's police station. I explained to a woman on the other end what is happening, and she decides that she's not going to send an officer out and instead gives me a number to call their emergency dispatch line and told me to talk to them. I call the number she gave me, and immediately I get an automated message saying, Thank you for calling the non-emergency hotline. Nobody is available to take your call right now. If this is an emergency, please hang up and dial 911. At this point, I'm really irritated, because 15 minutes has passed, and this weird dude is still lurking around my house while I'm home alone. And apparently, that wasn't enough to warrant an emergency to the lady I called at my local police department. I hung up and decided to call 911. After getting in touch with the 911 operator, I was asked a series of questions about his appearance before they would even alert officers near me to start heading towards my house. The whole thing seemed really weird. Nobody was in a hurry to have officers come up to my place when I was a younger girl home alone with a strange dude. I asked the officer if I could stay on the line with her when she finally, after what seemed like forever, alerted police to come to where I was. She agreed, and I went back upstairs to check on the weird guy, and he is now sitting in his unplated Honda, either listening to a radio show extremely loud, or on a phone call with someone through his car. It was a very prominent, loud, male voice coming from his car. Then, all of a sudden, I hear the tone you hear when someone hangs up on you, 
and the operator was no longer on the line. I was really confused when my thoughts were interrupted by an unrecognized phone number calling me. I assumed it was the operator calling me back, so I picked it up. Instead, I was greeted by really creepy, heavy breathing. I am not sure who it was, but it really freaked me out. I hung up immediately and dialed back 911. I had been pretty calm up to this point, but that phone call put me in panic mode. I got on the phone with another operator who already knew my situation and address before I could even explain it to her. She said the cops were on their way. 20 minutes had passed at this point. The dude is still here, in his car, and the cops aren't. Keep in mind I live in a smaller town, so there is no reason why it took the cops as long as it did to come down. Finally, this dude is leaving my driveway right as the cops pull in, and they stop him and ask him a few questions. A cop then comes to my door and hands me a sketchy-looking flyer saying, It was just a landscaper. He said he had an appointment. I was really relieved and irritated that it was just a dude my mom had hired, until I realized it wasn't. I called my mom back and said, the cop said that it was just a landscaper that you hired and that he had an appointment. My mom replies with, I can assure you we never hired a landscaper. We don't even need one. This happened when I was 13. I lived in a duplex with my dad and brother. It was a two-bedroom, and I shared a room with my dad, while my older brother had his own room. It was not uncommon for both of them to have plans at night, while I stayed home to play video games, alone. This night was no different. My dad was probably at some bar, and my brother, who knows where he was. I was playing the original Resident Evil on PlayStation, and at around midnight, my eyelids were getting too heavy, and I decided to go to bed. I slept with my bedroom door wide open. Now, not one time in the years that we lived in this place did my dad or brother come home by entering through the back sliding glass door. A couple times my brother didn't have his key for one reason or another and he would knock on my bedroom window and ask me to let him in. My dad always had his key and would always come home through the front door. On this night, I heard the back door slide open. It was an old door, and sliding it open wasn't easy. It was also very loud, so I heard it crystal clearly. I lay in bed wide-eyed, my imagination going crazy. I heard whoever it was walk through the dining room, through the kitchen, and then into the living room. They made no attempt to be quiet. After a brief silent pause, I saw someone walk by my bedroom doorway. This scared me so much, as you can imagine, and my heart throbbed. Whoever was in my house walked into the bathroom, right next to my bedroom, and flipped the light on. The light poured into my bedroom, and I was laying there, terrified, completely exposed by the light from the bathroom. Why didn't I shout out for my brother, or my dad? Because, like I mentioned, I knew it wasn't them, and there was no one else that it could have been that would have made sense. Not a family member, not a friend. I knew it was someone that did not belong. 
The person then walked out of the bathroom, left the light on, and went into my brother's room and started making a ton of noise. It sounded like they were searching for something. All I did was lay there, shivering. After a few more minutes, the person walked by my bedroom again. I expected at any moment a stranger would walk into my room, but they didn't. I heard them making noise in the living room, walking around, huffing and puffing. Then they started walking back and forth by my bedroom repeatedly, into the bathroom and back out, over and over. At the time, I was 100% sure they were messing with me for some reason. They knew I was there, whoever they were. I heard the person making noises. By this, and by the huge figure that I saw walking back and forth, I knew that it was a man. They continued walking around each room except the one that I was in. And then suddenly, I heard them walk back through the house to the backsliding door, open it, and then leave. I lay there in bed, terrified, wondering what just happened. After a while, out of sheer exhaustion, I fell asleep. In the morning, I found that my dad and brother were both home. I have asked both of them dozens of times, and they both promise it was not them. Plus, again, why would they go through the back door and then leave again through the back door? This was 21 years ago, and I will never know who it was or why they were there. Nothing was missing either. What really makes me wonder to this day, why did they never come into my bedroom? The door was wide open, and they walked by it at least 20 times. So this happened about 10 years ago in Manitou Springs, Colorado. I was living in a friend's trailer on her couch, and there was very limited space, and I was looking for a place of my own. I ran into this guy that lived a few trailers down from her, and he was telling me that he was looking to rent out part of his trailer. So I went over to take a look. This guy seemed really off, in a creepy sort of way, but at the time, I was really desperate to get my friend her living room couch back and get out of there, so I was willing to go pretty much anywhere. When I went over there, he told me he would rent out a small space inside of this ridiculously small trailer, or he was also willing to rent out a small cubby that he had underneath his trailer that he also showed to me. It looked like about a 10 by 10 crawl space under his trailer. That alone should have been the red flag that made me turn him down flat. But like I said, I was desperate, and that red flag was one of many to come. So I hesitantly and very reluctantly agreed to rent the small space inside and moved my stuff over that night. Almost immediately, he started going on about a curfew that I would have to abide by if I was to live there, and a bunch of other nonsense that I wasn't about to sit and listen to. So I left. When I came back, I found him sprawled out on his front porch mumbling about how he had just taken a bunch of pills and he was holding onto a half-empty bottle of booze. I had to step over him to get in the door as he began screaming about how I hadn't minded his warning about my new curfew. At this point, I flat out told him that if I was going to be paying him money to stay there, I would be coming and going as I pleased since I was an adult, not a child, and certainly not his child. 
to this, he reacted by having quite the outburst of rage, at which point I was sure that this was not going to work. He then gets up and starts flinging my stuff out onto the street, and this is all happening at like 2 a.m. So I gather what belongings are still left in his house and take them outside with me while I continue to gather what he had already thrown out and go begging my friend to let me come back into her trailer. And she let me. But that is not where this bizarre story ends. A few days later after this happened, I see a young girl at his house and they are both getting drunk and I didn't think much of it. But about a week after that, once I had found another place to stay, my friend that lived in that trailer park called me panicking, asking if I was okay. After I got her to calm down some and assured her that I was fine, I asked what made her even ask to begin with. She tells me that they had just pulled a human body from the little cubby under that guy's trailer that had been there for several days. She told me that the guy that lived there had been arrested for trying to rob a convenience store with a machete and the girl's body he had stashed under his trailer had begun to smell, so the landlord called the police. The young girl that I had seen him drinking with just a few days before, her hand was found wrapped in a quilt under his trailer. All that was running through my mind as she was telling me all of this was that that would have been me had I not left when I did. I did not step foot in that trailer park again. Even going anywhere near it gave me the creeps so bad. And as badly as I felt for that young girl, I was still very thankful that I walked away from there with my life. This occurred when my roommates and I were working on our bachelor's degree in a prominent university in West Bengal, India. We would live in the university boarding houses for students, or hostels as we call them here. The hostel buildings were divided into boys and girls blocks, and we lived in the girls block. After our semester final exams ended in December 2016, before we left for our homes for the holidays, we decided to stay back for the huge fair that would take place in the town near our university. This fair would attract people from all over the country and abroad, with shops full of traditional arts and crafts and massive thrift stores. This fair would go on for six to eight days at a stretch, starting from the 22nd of December every year. So the tiny college town we lived in would be full of all kinds of people. Our university would take extra precautions against strange people entering the university campus. We would have extra barricades around the girls' hostels, and so on. But people would always roam around the campus, enjoying its beauty, despite the rules. So my roommate stayed back for two days before she left for home and enjoyed the fair with me. We did a lot of shopping for ourselves and our families, and two days later, she left. I, on the other hand, did not leave, as the holidays were only for 10 days, and I instead wanted to stay back and study in the university library with not as many students around. One day, on my way back from the library at around 7 p.m., I noticed that many tourists were roaming around the campus even after it got dark. But I was aware of the tourist situation at the time, so I didn't really care. Now, the hostel block had a big gate with four three-storied buildings situated inside it in a square format, and there was only one way in and out, 
and female guards would always be standing near the gate as there were tight rules for intruders, especially men. Our rooms were situated the farthest from the entrance. We stayed on the first floor and had windows facing outward onto a back street inside the campus with lots of trees everywhere. So I went to my room, got cleaned up, and started cooking dinner. While doing so, I started hearing some rustling sound from the window. I thought perhaps it was the sound of birds in the trees. It was already dark out at that time of winter, and I couldn't make out anything outside. Soon, I started hearing the noise more and more. Still, I assumed it was the sound of people walking the road behind our room, as there were more visitors at that time. As my food was cooking, I sat on my bed and started reading a book. The bed was right beside a window. Suddenly, I hear a low thud near me next to the window. I look up, and there's a man standing right outside the window, staring in at me. Stunned with fear, I could not even shout. I sat there motionless, trying to understand if the man was even real. Just then, this intruder, who seemed to be in his early thirties, spoke in a slurring voice. Don't scream or I will be in trouble. I just want some water. Can you give me some water? I'm so thirsty. I managed to stand up and as I was on my way to dart out of the room, this man started speaking again, but a bit loud, trying to pronounce his words properly. Just some water. I am your guest. Please give me some water. I could smell a distinct, bad, alcohol stink coming from him, and he looked horrible, somehow managing to keep his eyes open. By this time, the man was basically just hanging by the window panes, and thankfully couldn't get in due to the iron barriers. He started sticking his hand in, trying to grab at anything on the bed. I had had enough and started screaming right then and there. There weren't many people staying back in the hostel during those days, so no one came to help. I ran downstairs and ran up to the guards who were about 50 meters from our building. They frantically ran back with me to my room, and by the time we reached it, the man was nowhere to be seen. So the guards called a university security team, and they started checking the hostel perimeter, and they found the man lying flat on his back on the grass below the window he climbed. I did not leave the room to see any of it, as I was still pretty shaken up but I was told that the man was drunk and unconscious from falling that high up, and the guards had to pick him up and take him away to the hospital. I don't know what happened to that man, if he was charged or what, but by the next day, two male guards started walking up and down that back road behind our room. I told this story to my roommate once she got back after the holidays, and she was pretty worried that I was all alone when I went through this scary experience. She and I then decided to change our rooms, as I still had flashbacks of a hand creeping in through the window. It also made me realize how we are never really safe, despite how secure we feel in our surroundings. On this particular occurrence, I was home by myself in high school, or late junior high, and I was in the living room at around 6pm. I have ADD, so I was reading, and had the TV on, and had both of our dogs in the living room with me. 
I made a habit of using all these different stimuli and shutting all the doors inside the house when I'm home alone because it eases my anxiety. The kitchen in my house is behind the living room, and when you're sitting on the couch facing our TV, you have to turn all the way around to see only the entrance to the kitchen as well as the back door. You can't see inside of the kitchen from the living room hardly at all. So I was sitting and reading, and all of a sudden, I heard creaking from the floorboards in our kitchen, which always happens when someone is walking or moving around in the kitchen. I couldn't hear any footfalls, but it unmistakably was the sound of someone walking on the creaky, water-warped wood floors. Then, a cabinet door slammed. My dad always slams cabinet doors, so I thought maybe he had come home from work early and I just didn't know. So without looking up from my book, I called out. Dad, when did you get home? No one answered. A few seconds later, a couple more cabinet doors slammed. So I turned around on the couch to see the entrance to the kitchen and called out for my dad again. No answer. Then I hear repeated slamming of the cabinet doors over and over, extremely loud. They start to slam faster and faster, louder and louder. My pulse picked up, and I could feel my heart beating in my ears. Suddenly, the dogs stand up in the living room and face the kitchen and start barking. I can see the hair along their spines raise up, and despite the menacing nature of their growls, they looked scared. I started to panic, and I quickly moved to the carpet to sit behind them in the living room, hoping they would protect me, I guess. I was facing the kitchen, my arms wrapped around both of my dog's growling bodies. I was incredibly scared, and my heart was beating out of my chest. All of a sudden, the insanely loud slamming stops. For a while, all I can hear is the blood rushing in my ears and my own breathing. Then, I hear that same familiar creaking coming from the kitchen. The sound of something shifting its weight or walking in the kitchen. I was paralyzed with fear unblinkingly staring as the source of the sound came closer and closer to exiting the kitchen and entering my view. As the situation became quieter and more tense, the dogs suddenly stopped growling and started whimpering. They were shaking violently and their hair was raised all over. At this point, I'm essentially having a heart attack and preparing myself for the absolute worst. Then, suddenly, my mom walks into the house, through the door closest to the kitchen, arriving home from the grocery store. Everything stops. The creaking, the dogs, everything. My dogs started wagging their tails and went to greet my mom. I stayed sitting on the carpet in the living room, bewildered and adrenaline still coursing through my veins. Just to explain the situation and demonstrate that I am not making something out of nothing, it could not have been sounds my mom made from coming into the house. The sounds were nothing like the dull, rapid thumps that came from a person walking along our back porch to enter the house. These sounds could only have come from the kitchen, specifically the floors and the cabinets. I knew these sounds well as I grew up in this house. I tried to tell my mom what happened right before she got home, but she didn't really believe me. I haven't told many people no one has ever really believed this story. However, I can promise you that I know the house I grew up in very well. 
I can also promise that the fear and panic that not only myself, but my dogs felt were very, very real. I still don't know what exactly happened, or why. It took place a few years ago, in 2013. I was home alone. Although my parents went out often, and I usually stayed home by myself and played video games, I never really felt alone. My friend Thomas lived right next door, and if you looked out my bedroom window, which was on the second floor, you could see right into his. It was awesome. We played video games together online most of the time, and the night it happened was no different. It was Saturday, and with my parents gone, I had planned to play video games all night. We were in the middle of a match when Thomas told me he would be right back. That was normal, of course, but after ten minutes, I stood up and looked out my window. Right then, I saw him walk back into his bedroom and put his headset back on. I asked him what took so long, and he said that he thought he heard his back door open and then close. I asked if his parents were home, and he said no, that he was home alone too. We went back to playing, when about 30 minutes later, I heard something downstairs, in my house. It was really late at this time, and Thomas said he was going to bed. I turned off my console, and walked out of my bedroom to go downstairs. I stopped halfway down the stairs. I could see the faint shadow of someone sitting in the chair in the living room. They were facing away from me. I was about to speak out, but then realized it wasn't my mom or my dad. I went back up the stairs as slowly and silently as I possibly could, never taking my eyes off the person. When I reached the top, I silently moved back into my bedroom a few feet away. I grabbed my cell phone and hit the green messaging icon on the screen. At that moment, I heard footsteps coming up the stairs. Completely terrified, I got in my bed and pulled the covers over my head, hoping and praying whoever it was would think nobody was home. I tried to lay as flat as possible and control my breathing. I heard nothing after that. I stayed under the covers without moving for a long time. I felt like someone was watching me. I eventually pulled my cell phone up and texted my parents. I didn't get the immediate response that I wanted, so I decided to text Thomas. I typed one word and then heard the hardwood floor in my bedroom creak. I froze. You have no idea how bad I wanted to look to see if someone was standing in my bedroom, but at the same time, too terrified to do it. I ended up laying there under the covers for at least an hour before finally getting a text. I was scared to move, but a minute later, I opened it. It was from Thomas. I felt all the blood rush out of my face, and I started to shake. The text read, Who is that in your bedroom? I ripped the covers off my head out of pure adrenaline and fear. There was nobody there. This is truly the scariest, most horrible thing that has ever happened to me. I have never been so petrified in my life. To this day, I still do not know who this man was, what he was trying to do, 
or if he still is where I saw him. I'm sorry for how long the geographical description is. I just want everyone to understand how secluded I was when this happened, and how badly it could have ended if it wasn't for my parents. I was back home for the summer for the first time in a year after starting university. Our home was, and still is, just outside of a small town with forests all around. There was also a small man-made lake, which was diverged from a river that ran for miles through the forest and ramified into a few streams east of the lake. Near my home, there was a small grassy path that led to the river following a stream. It was a long walk, but one I used to go on often as a child. I knew the forests there well. I knew where I could cut through dense trees to meet the stream. The walk I would go on always led me off the path, which turned northwest slowly, so away from the stream, and then took a sharp turn to the west after a few miles walk, at which point the stream was hidden quite deep into the forest. I'd continue to walk north and follow the stream through the forest to get to the river, then follow the river west to get to the lake. It's easy to get lost in this forest because the terrain isn't just a slope down to the water. It goes up and down, and you end up completely surrounded by trees. I had spent many days wandering around there alone or with my dad over the span of 18 years. Never saw anybody else in the forest. I went there twice that summer, both times alone-ish. The first time I left in the morning, I walked along the path away from the stream to the sharp bend, then cut back into the forest. I reached the stream after an hour or so. As I was running my hands in the water, I heard a bell from far away, coming from the north. Something was making a bell ring fervently and periodically, which I found strange. I listened well, wondering if it was a lost hunting dog, and started moving towards the sound. I realized it couldn't have been an animal. I could tell the bell was too heavy because of how clear the sound was to be on a collar. I kept moving and the bell was moving away from me. It stopped completely after five minutes. The stream wasn't big enough or strong enough to carry a bell that could have been enclosed in a tin or something, and the river was too far. Still, I thought of everything, but nothing explained the sound apart from one obvious thing, which I just didn't feel comfortable with for some reason. I knew it had to have been a person. I stopped thinking about it and just walked on normally, until I found a badger, a dead one, the sound of the bell had been following the stream, and so had I. So, the badger was put there while I was walking that way, I suppose. I don't know, really. Nothing else happened that day. One week later, I went back for the second time that summer, and the last time ever. I left home at around 6pm. I made it to the stream, and then walked to the river in an hour then decided to go back the way I came because it was getting late and it was raining quite heavily. The sun set at around 9pm. I was walking as fast as I could. The sound of the rain in the trees was surreal and loud. I was somewhat trotting with my head down for a while, through the clearest and most open part of the forest, when I bumped into something heavy. The smell was sickly. 
it was the decomposing body of the badger just swinging from a tree. I started gagging. At first, I just stared at it, slightly gobsmacked. Then, I started fidgeting violently. I was soaking from the rain. My senses became confused. It felt like a bucket of ice-cold water had been thrown over me when I realized that I had walked the same way to get to the river. So someone had strung up the body after I had passed it on the way there. Someone knew I would see it. So, was someone watching me and running around the forest? Were the faint sounds of branches breaking around me not animals? I looked around and started jogging. I was half running, half walking away from the stream, back towards the path for a while. When I heard the bell again, I proceeded to call my dad while running. I told him to meet me on the path where it sharply turns west. It was the closest part of the path to me, and to go as fast as he could, because someone was in the forest with me. I can't explain the feeling I had. It was like I just crapped out my intestines and stomach. I literally felt the hairs on my neck raise, despite being soaked. It was dark. I jogged as fast as I could. I was panicking, because the path was still a bit far away, just too far to feel safe. It was still raining. Every single sound was muffled. I felt like everything was further away than ever before. The bell went on for a way longer than the last time, on and off. I felt like it was surrounding me at one point. The fear combined with my compromised hearing and the fact that I couldn't flipping breathe properly was making me slightly lose my sense of direction. I was automatically heading southwest, but I wasn't really sure what I was even doing. I was breathing like a horse, coughing my lungs up, kind of crying out loud like a toddler does, tripping over leaves and twigs like an idiot. I stayed on the phone with my mom, who was on her way with my dad. I kept hearing sounds, but I wasn't sure what they were. My mom was screaming on the phone at the same time that they were on the path, that I needed to run, that my dad had gotten out and was heading east from the path bend. I was terrified, so I went into survival mode. I was doing the half-running, half-speed-walking thing again, because I was out of breath. Then... I heard branches break, clear footsteps for the first time from down in the forest, and the bell ringing louder. I didn't want to, but I looked over my shoulder. That's when I saw what was in the forest with me, a tall figure creeping in my direction at the very end of the clearing, ringing this bell slowly in front of his stomach. I could tell he was staring straight at me. Now I don't know if I had a hidden secret sprinting ability or instinctual adrenaline-induced superhuman powers, but when I tell you I ran for my life, I didn't look back once. I screamed as much as I could. I lied. I'm on the phone with the police. They are on the path. Dad, I can see you. I'm here. I wanted to yell. Dad, please, where are you? But I kept that to myself. I felt like something awful was going to happen. I felt like the man was right behind me. I kept telling myself not to look back. I was gasping and wheezing, crying so hard, and screaming for my dad. I felt shivers on my neck. And then, switched off. 
I just ran. I even dropped my bag and only realized I didn't have it anymore when I was in the car. I felt like my phone was my only way home. Things no longer felt real. It was like my legs were moving by themselves. I didn't know if the man was still following me. I could only hear my heart beating in my ears and the bell. I finally heard my dad shout my name, and I knew he was coming my way, and that he could see me because of the intonation of his voice. I pretty much lunged myself at him when we got to each other. My dad heard the bell too. My mom could hear it on the phone. She was waiting with the car ready to leave, fast. We went directly to the police station, and I got medical attention soon after. My dad burst into tears in the car, said he could hear the bell, and thought he wouldn't be able to see me. Asked what if I didn't have my phone? What if he hadn't picked me up? They were almost as terrified as me, because they witnessed everything through the call. They could hear me, trying to run, and they could hear the danger. They just couldn't see it. The police couldn't really do much. They searched the area, and the only thing they found was a folded t-shirt, placed under a rock. I didn't really question that at the time, and my bag was not recovered. They said it was probably some homeless man living in the forest, but failed to realize what could have happened if my dad didn't know that part of the forest like I did, and where to find me. I'm not blaming anyone. The entire thing was my fault. There are just so many what-ifs. I want to believe it was just someone who decided to live in the woods and hunt or something. Maybe they were a bit mentally unstable and they felt angry that I came into their territory. But what if it was more insidious? The way he moved towards me was abnormal. It was perverse because of how slowly he was ringing the bell. It's like he had me trapped. I didn't see any more detail. I just ran. To this day, I can't go anywhere where I'll be alone, and the sound of bells is a real problem. The smell of moss as well. Anyway, my parents and Steve Jobs saved my life, so go hug yours now and take badgers and bells as pagan signs that you are unwelcome.